Good morning. It is a joy to be back with you again. Uh, what a joy to keep up with Grace Covenant via social media. I've rejoiced with you recently at the number of baptisms that you guys have uh, celebrated. And it's just a joy to be back with you today. As Pastor Chad said, our paths crossed a long time ago and I am much his senior. I was teasing him that he's getting old while the, uh, my wife and I are staying uh, timeless. Yeah, right. Have you heard that great philosopher, Woody Allen, say uh, confidence is that, that attitude that you have right before you fully grasp the situation? Maybe that's what is causing the angst in our society today. I mean, social media, CNN, Fox News, swipe left on the iPhone. We're inundated constantly and bombarded with headline after headline after headline of things going wrong in our world, amen? In a recent research article I, I looked at, they said, how many of you here are between the ages of 18 and 24? 18 and 24. Statistically, according to this, audio, uh, this article, one out of every two of you face anxiety and depression on a normal basis, 50%. That same article goes, the rest of us, we're not a whole lot better. Almost one out of every three of us voiced situations of anxiety and depression in 2023. Anxiety is rampant in our society at large. Angst, concern, doubt, dread, jitters, mistrust, misgivings, uncertainty, nervousness, fretfulness. I love this one, heebie-jeebies. <laughs> this disquietude, disquietude, that's a good word, downer, drag, all of those are synonyms of anxiety. And our culture is saturated with them. Right? I don't think the church at large is immune. I think many of us face the challenge of how do we face a world where all the information is in front of us and still have the peace of God that transcends all understanding, right? That article that said that one out of every one, one out of every two um, 18, 24 year olds face anxiety and, and one out of every three Americans at large face anxiety said that our generations previous were just under 
in form. Now, I would argue that point a bit, but, but yes, there is so much more information that is available to us in 2023 than previous, previous generations understood. But do we have to hide our head in the sand to have the peace of God that transcends all understanding? And I would suggest to you, no, we don't. I would suggest to you that we can, in fact, and I'm not suggesting you have your mind on all the stuff going around you all the time, but we can be informed and at peace. Amen? The statement that Woody Allen said of this attitude of confidence being that which we have right before we understand the problem, I think should go on to state that this confidence is what we can have when we face all the issues in front of us, but we submit to the solution of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe our generation is facing anxiety because they're informed, but they refuse the solution. And so what I'd like to do today is, is just look at a passage of Scripture that's certainly familiar to almost everyone in this room. And if you're here and you're new to the faith and this principle is new to you, praise God. And I'm grateful that you're here, but I would imagine that most in the room have studied Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I would think that some, if not many, of us in this room have memorized Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And yet I think we need to look at it again. I'm to the point in my life, not that I can't learn nothing new. I am learning, trying to learn things new all the time, but... But often when I'm in my, the Word of God in the morning, it's not new, it's just fresh. Amen? And I'm praying that today there'll be a freshness to this passage, whether it's something you've known for years and years or it's something that's new to you this morning. And so will you join me as we read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 together. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving allow your request to be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus pray with me please Father thank you for your word it is our bread, and you are our life. You have God breathed this text for us in this culture, at this moment in time, in this specific place of gathering. Thank you for your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are here in the midst. And blessed Holy Spirit, we ask you to be free to minister from your word. And, and God, I pray that you would minister through me, your servant. Move anything out of me that would hinder my being your instrument today as we 
Look at your promise and your command. And God, I pray that we would be submissive and receive the blessing of your promise. That we would walk in the, the peace that you offer and only you give that can surpass any understanding. Let it guard our heart and our mind in our Lord Jesus. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, as you may well surmise, is in the midst of a big chapter, right? Chapter 4. And Philippians chapter 4 is in the middle of a book of four chapters. And, and we can't just dive into verses 6 and 7 without understanding the larger context of the book of Philippians, as well as the concept of what it means to be a Christ follower. Before we can apply Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 into our mind and heart, we looked at the principle of verses 6 and 7. We've got to look at what I believe is a prerequisite to peace. A prerequisite to peace is you cannot have the peace of God without peace with God. Amen? You can't have this principle that uh, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding until we are in right relationship with Almighty God. Now there's a debate in Christian circles, and I don't know where you fall. The debate is, are we bipartite or tripartite? Now I know you stayed up late last night trying to figure out which one you fell into. Bi is two, tri is three. The basic, the basic debate is, are we made up of two parts or are we made up of three parts? Is it is it immaterial and material, soul and body, or is it three-part spirit, soul, and body? And there's biblical references that deal with both of those concepts, but here's my idea on the concept. There's scripture, and we say this morning, oh, my soul, an idea of spirit and soul, worship the Lord. All that's within me, the immaterial part of me, glorify God. And that's that's biblical but then you have hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of god is live and active sharper than any two-edged sword able to discern between the soul and the spirit flip first uh, thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 that we might be kept in our spirit and our soul and our body I would suggest to you, if we are going to establish or enjoy the peace of God that transcends all understanding, two out of three have to be in sync, the spirit and the soul. But I'd suggest to you, the body doesn't have to be at peace, at wholeness, for us to experience the peace Paul promises in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, I submit to you, Johnny Erickson Tata, Nick, I think his name is Boo Itch Itch, <laughs> I, 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 the, the man who was born without limbs, but yet has peace and power. We can be racked with pain in our body. We can be 
imperfect according to the world standards. We can be handicapped. We can not see the healing that we wanted. We can be facing terminal illness. We can face a lot of things in our body, but still have the peace of God that transcends all understanding if our spirit and our soul is rightly related to God. Amen? And so when we talk about peace, we're talking about peace in our spirit and peace in our soul. Now, to get the idea of the prerequisite of peace in our soul, the idea of peace in our spirit, look with me at the big idea of the book of Philippians. Remember, Paul's incarcerated. He wrote this book, I believe imprisoned in Rome, writes it to the church at Philippi. And the big idea from walk through the Bible is happily humble. And the whole book of Philippians is about how you can be rejoice. Again, I say rejoice all throughout the book. It's talking about having joy in our hearts. Chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, while he had equality with God, didn't hold on to that, but emptied himself and became found in fashion as a man and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Chapter 3, count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. Peace of God comes as our spirit is surrendered to God as our Lord and our Savior. If you're here today or listening online and you can relate to the angst that we talked about, but yet you've not yet come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the action step for you is to repent and believe and surrender to Jesus as your king. The gospel is very simple. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was buried. He, was, he died according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. Repent and believe that gospel message and surrender that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and your spirit is rightly related to God and you're ready for your soul to have the peace that Philippians 4, 6, and 7 promises. But for those of us in this room that have already been born again, surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus isn't a back there thing, is it? It's a God, this new day, you are the master of my life. You are Lord over me, and my life is yours. I don't know if you've come to this place, but recently I've been praying, God, <clears throat> please forgive my rebellion. Do you know every sin against a holy God is rebellion against our King? Amen? Amen. 
And so what I'm asking the Lord to do is show me rebellion in my heart. Any attitude that's not right, any word that's not right, any action that isn't in line with Jesus as my king. I, I, I like Matthew West. I think he is a vulnerable theologian. I like his meat with the beat. Uh, and I, I, the song that he's come out with somewhat recently, I guess, I think it is, at least it's new to me, is My Story, Your Glory. I'll read a little bit of it. I won't try to sing. That's Pastor Chad's job. You'll run if I try to sing. My story, your glory. My pain, your purpose. My mess, your message. In all things, I know you're working. One life, one mission. One reason why I'm living. All for you. Not for me, my story, your glory. You see, that type of submission is the prerequisite to the peace God promises in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you've tried to apply Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 without first submitting yourself to the Lordship of Jesus. You've, like me, many times in my past and are hitting your head against the wall. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding eludes you and me because it is a prerequisite that we continually surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and see that it's not about me, but about Him. Amen? Amen. But when we have our spirit in peace with God, Paul shows us how to get our soul in sync with God. And when we place our soul in sync with God, the promise is God will flood our heart and our mind with the peace that passes all understanding. So how do you place your soul in the place, uh, one preacher said what he's talking about in a putting your life in a place where God can use you and anoint you. He said, put your, your, your how do you place yourself under the spout where the glory comes out? So I, I kind of like that. How do you place your soul in a place where the Spirit of God can flood you with the peace of God? Well, if you look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, I believe we have uh, that process laid out for us, but note that it starts with a command. And that command is, be not anxious for anything. Now, how many English buffs do I have in the room? How many English buffs? Okay. Ah, very good. Now, I don't, uh, my speech isn't as uh, correct English-wise as I might would like or you might would like, but, but I learned in seminary the beauty of understanding the parts of speech and how diagramming verses can open the Word of God to us like nothing else does. If you've not diagrammed passages of Scripture, I highly recommend it to you for your deep dive. If you diagram these two verses, what you have is a two-part command. 
Yes, it's be not anxious. That is a command. But if you take out the with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and get to the other verb, allow your request to be made known to God, you have a two-part command. Don't be anxious, but pray. Right? May I suggest to you what Paul's saying is either pray or, pan or you will panic. And if you look at the, 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 the construction of that command, be not anxious, it actually means stop being anxious. We're kidding ourselves if we look at all the stuff that's going on and if we read how things are going to get worse before the end, we're kidding ourselves if we can actually look at that and not be anxious until we remember the second part of that command. We don't have to hide our head in the sand. We can look at what's now and what's coming and be peace-filled if we pray. Don't be anxious is in the present active tense. It means continually stop being anxious. Actively take control of your soul. Now the word, but allow your request to be made known to God, it's present tense too, but get this, it's passive voice. In other words, we just lay our request before the Lord we don't direct him how to answer it. Amen? Amen? We cast our cares on him, knowing he cares for us, but in the heart, we're doing what the Lord Jesus did. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Don't be anxious, but pray is the command. Now look at the process. I believe in this process you see all three parts of the soul. I said that I believe we are three partite, spirit, soul, and body, but the soul can be broken down into three parts too. Mind, will, and emotion. Mind, will, and emotion. If you look at these verses, Paul deals with all three. Our mind, our will, and our emotion. Let's look at them in our mind by prayer. Now the words prayer and supplication have a whole lot of overlap in them. But when two words come together that are very, very similar, what the, the idea is fullness, but you need to look at the distinctives. So that we can understand the, the idea, the full idea of what the writer is giving by putting two similar words with overlap together. Here's what I think what the word prayer is. Specificity. That's a hard word to say. Pray specifically. The idea is what Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about our weapons are not carnal, but mighty to God of pulling down strongholds. We take every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and submit it to the Lord Jesus. Amen? Praying, that word prayer there, I believe, engages the mind. And as we have anxious thoughts bombarding 
our mind, the first process in this step is by the act of our soul, our mind portion of our soul. We take those thoughts captive and we don't just throw them away. We submit them to Jesus. But here's the point I believe Paul's saying in this process of praying towards peace. And that is, we don't just say, here it is, Lord. But we turn our anxious thoughts into prayer arrows. Every thought that is causing us angst, we grab it. And we analyze it. We surrender it to Jesus in a specific prayer to him. And so the way we pray through this, this crippling anxiety is by an act of our mind turning anxious thoughts into prayer arrows, specifically, thoroughly bathed in Scripture, bringing the sword of the Spirit in line with these thoughts and speaking to ourselves the Word of God in our mind. The soul also involves emotion. Be not anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication. I believe that supplication deals with urgency. Jesus calls it importunity. Remember his heavenly story with the earthly mean parable? When he said that, there was a man who had a, a guest come and he didn't have anything to lay before him. So he went and knocked on a neighbor's door and the neighbor said, I can't get up. My family's around me in sleep and I can't disturb them. Go away. And, he, and the Bible says the man wouldn't go away, just kept knocking. And Jesus said, I tell you, he got up and gave him everything he needed because of his, here's the word, importunity urgency I can't let you go till you bless me attitude demonstrated by our Lord in the garden of Gethsemane when he began to sweat like great drops of blood praying hours to get through this let this cup pass from me until the next day when he stood before the enemies, he stood with the peace of God that transcended any and all understanding. What I'm suggesting to you is if we want to have this peace of God that passes all understanding, we've got to submit ourselves by praying specifically and praying earnestly. If our anxiety is on a six, we got to be praying on a seven or an eight. If our anxiety is on an eight, we got to be praying at a nine or a ten. It's not just, oh Lord, help me. It's a getting along with God and it's getting on our face before God and then it's praying it through with unction and importunity. Soul is mind, emotions, and will. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be not anxious for anything, but through prayer 
and uh, petition or supplication, allow your request to be made known. Oh, with thanksgiving, excuse me, with thanksgiving. That's the part with the will. Because <laughs> I don't think that when somebody's filled with anxiety, their natural indication is to be grateful. Do you? I think that's an act of the will, right? It's an act of the will when our life is a mess. To believe there's a message in it. There, it's an act of our will to be experiencing pain and praise God for his purpose in it. It's an act of our will to believe that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. It's an act of our will to believe that the things that you see is, is temporary, but the things that are unseen are, are eternal. And the momentary light afflictions of this world are working for us an eternal weight of glory. But when we, by our will, choose to believe that, then we can truly be grateful. Amen? And that puts our will in a place that God loves to respond to. When our spirit is right, and when our mind is taking these anxious thoughts and turning them into prayer arrows and our our emotions are matching and superseding our anxiety with urgency and our by sheer act of our will. We're saying, God, I trust you and I'm grateful to you. Thank you for everything you've done in the past. Thank you for everything that you're going to do in the future. Thank you for everything that you're doing in my life. Now we're under the spout where the peace comes out. The promise is that the peace of God, the very peace of the God who knows it all, but is outside of it all, will guard, put a fence around, encircle our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus with the peace that passes all understanding. So what's the product? What do we produce when we follow this process? I suggest to you three, and I'll be done. The first is we're blessed. To have peace. Amen. Peace. Peace, matchless peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. We're blessed. Those around us are ministered to. As the day gets darker, and we know it will because we've read the end of the book, before the, the good comes, Darkness 
keeps getting worse, right? As the darkness comes, we'll be a bright light. A lighthouse that shines like a beacon to a world wind-tossed in a ravaged storm. There'll be people wanting to know is different about you. That you can have this peace when all else around us is raging. And lastly, and most importantly, we'll bring glory to God. Amen? Our life will be a shining example of the goodness of God. Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, it is good to sit before your word, to think about the principles that you give us so clearly, so compellingly, and Lord, yet we know that it takes your spirit to work out our salvation. It is you that works in us both to will and to do uh, your good pleasure. Lord, we're seeking to work out our salvation. Thank you that you're working in us. As we seek to work out the peace that you promised, Lord, help us. We know you do. We know you're in us. We know you're helping us. Guide us. Show us how to apply these verses. Lord, I pray for each of us in this room and, and hearing this online that you'll show us any stop in this process. Is it in our spirit with not being surrendered to you? Is it in our mind of not taking captive the thoughts and submitting them to you and prayer concerns is that our emotion not matching the urgency, the, the anxiety with urgency? Is it our will not choosing to worship you and thank you in the midst of the its situation? Is it, Lord, what is it hindering us? And Lord, we, if nothing comes to our mind, we just sit before you knowing you've promised to bring the peace that passes understanding. So, Lord, speak and move and bring us at, to that place is my prayer in Jesus' name.